0: Hey, good morning. Whether you're with us live or you're online, we're glad that you're with us this morning. And um, man, that's just uh, a good time of worship. Thank you, worship leaders, for leading us. I appreciate that. I was giving Jack a hard time this morning, though I said, listen, if I would have worn those shorts when I was in high school, I said I would have been shunned. I mean, the shorts had to be down to the knee, and that swishy stuff wasn't allowed, so... Uh, It's just good stuff. Good to be worshiping together this morning. Hey, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6. And while you find Hebrews chapter 6 or pull up our online, uh, our digital bulletin in the Bible app, uh, let me uh, bring you up to speed on a couple things that are going on in the life of the church. Uh, Eric did a great job of telling you about our Money to the Mission uh, initiative. That, again, goes through the month of July. And um, in that, Uh, You can find links to be able to do more with that in the digital bulletin or I think I posted something on our our Facebook feed this morning. So remember that those gifts will be uh, uh, divided three ways between our partners in Central Asia, uh, between Sparrow Missions in Honduras and Crossing Camps uh, right here in Kentucky. So uh, make those gifts before the end of the month and let's be generous as the Lord has been generous with us. Uh, Also, this is really important because it's a little bit of a change of pace for us. Next week uh, is Love Shelbyville Day, which isn't a change of pace. Uh, But it is uh, going to be a first. It is going to be an exciting day. It's going to be a good day for God's kingdom. Because we're going to partner with Centennial Baptist Church, Pastor Norris Beckley. They're going to come and, and serve alongside of us. We're going to serve together. And uh, I'm excited for everything that Matt and the team are getting ready to, to serve. But here's what I need you to hear, all right? The schedule is going to look a little different next week. So uh, typically at 10 o'clock, we'd come in, we'd find our groups, and we'd go serve. Next week, we're going to be here at 945. So if you're live with me, what time are we going to be here? Not. Oh, you guys are so good at this. 9.45. Get ready. This is good, okay? Because we want to get out and serve so that we can be back here right around 11. Centennial Baptist, is uh, their church building is, is out in Christianburg, about 20 minutes from here. And so because they're serving with us, they're actually going to have a worship gathering that they've in, invited us to here in our space uh, shortly after 11. So we're going to go serve, and we're going to come back and worship together with Centennial Baptist. So please, please make note of that, all right? Um, very good. And then, as we pray for our time in the Word, we've been praying for churches in our association. And today, we want to lift up Emmanuel Baptist. Uh, they're right out there on uh, by the bypass, uh, past the park, between the park and the bypass. Pastor Dan Poe out there. And so, we want to pray for them uh, as we pray for our time in the Word together this morning. All right. So let's pray together for all that's going on before we jump in. All right. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for giving us your Word. But more than that, we thank you that you became the Word. Uh, We so often talk about being in love with Jesus. I pray, God, that that you would remind us that you are the Word. And uh, you're a living example of that. And so we dig into the Word as we seek to know you. Reveal more of us. Reveal more of yourself to us this morning, Lord. God, we pray that as we open your Word, we would find uh, confidence and courageousness Uh, to grow and to progress in our relationship with you so that we might join you on the outside. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, uh, if you were here last week, uh, then you know that I may have a little bit of a tough act to follow because we grilled a steak, medium rare to the glory of God, on stage. And so that may be a little bit tough to follow. But if you weren't, uh, Ruby Sullivan, who blessed us this morning with her voice, also... Uh, provided us with this as a, as a recap. And she's very talented. We've got a picture, if you can throw that up there. Uh, still the answer. Jesus is still the answer, amen? Whatever we face this week, whatever we have faced this year, Jesus is still the answer. And that's the very thing that the author of Hebrews is trying to remind us. And as we got into this, right, there's this challenge from uh, the author of Hebrews to, to move on from... from immaturity and babyhood from milk to, to meat, to, to growing up, uh, to, to really stepping in to becoming a disciple of Christ. One that doesn't just um, consume all the time, but actually begins to, to bear fruit and make other disciples. And we talked about the discipleship pathway, as you see over there on the right side, the, the, the crowd and how that moves into uh, the congregation and the community and the core. And that's reflected here at Christ Community. And we're going to talk more about that today. But we were talking about all of these things because of spiritual laziness, spiritual laziness and what it's telling us about spiritual laziness in God's word. And so I'm not going to beat that that bush again, but but we do need to address it a little bit because of what our passage says today. And so that sets us up to turn over into Hebrews chapter six, verses one through 12. And I'm going to ask us to do something we don't always do, but I think it's good. I'm going to ask us to stand for the reading of God's word, just in honor of it. I'm going to read the first 12 verses and we'll jump in. It says therefore let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead from dead works faith in God teaching about ritual washings laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and we will do this if God permits. For it's impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away. This is because to their own harm they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. For the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it and that produces vegetation useful to those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed and at the end will be burned. Even though we're speaking this way, dearly loved friends, in your case, we are confident of things that are better and that pertain to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end so that you won't become lazy, but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Amen, you may be seated. The author makes the conclusion, therefore let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity. To leave one thing and go on to another. And yet we remember from last week that our spiritual laziness often leaves us stuck in the middle. And so I want us to keep exploring this idea of of being spiritually stuck and lazy. Because that awareness, if we hold on to this awareness of what might be some spiritual laziness, it will help us to, to go outside with Jesus more effectively. The very thing that we were called to do from the beginning of Christ Community Church. This morning, as I was reading back through uh, my notes, uh, uh, an infomercial came to mind. You may remember the old rotisserie grills. Set it and forget it. Colin, do you have do you have a rotisserie grill, Colin? He doesn't have one. I thought he might. Set it and forget it. And, you know, if you were around and you watched that infomercial, it said set it and forget it so many times and so obnoxiously that you couldn't help but say for the rest of the day, set it and forget it. And yet, if we had one of those rotisserie grills up here and we set it and forget it, we would not have a steak that was medium rare to the glory of God. Okay, I'm just saying. You need Melissa Ballard grilling that steak. But it was so good. And and so this idea of set it and forget it, I think uh, in many times it can... Kind of seep over into the way that we approach our relationship with Christ, and we're going to talk more about that, and we're going to talk more about how that can be really, really harmful. We do something, we make a decision, we get baptized. There's there's a whole list of things that you could do, right? And it's like, oh, set it and forget it. I'm good. I did what I needed to do. I can go forward. Now let's explore for a moment how that works in relationships. I am terrible. Listen, let me just back all the way up. It's a wonder that my wife is still with me, to the glory of God. I am terrible at being intentional about dating her. And that's not good. Like, and, I, and I don't say, like, it's, just, it's really hard for me. And, and in our relationship, and guys, like, learn from my mistakes. She's always the one that takes care of childcare. Or if not, Sherry is like, already two steps ahead of us. Like, I just don't even think about these things. And to have a good date, like, you got to get the childcare set up. You need the plans. You've got to have this all figured out. And I'm terrible at this. I'm really bad at this. So um, for Christmas this year, I thought, I'm going to win Christmas. I'm going to set up a whole year of dates. I love planning. So I I get out, you know, I'm, I'm going through, I've picked out the restaurants. I've got destinations. Once a month, we've got this, you know, beautiful date and gift cards to match the things and all the things And like I go through and I'm a Google calendar person. So all those dates are in my Google calendar. And now all those dates in my Google calendar come around and remind me that I'm really bad at following through on my plans. A couple months ago, Caitlin very graciously came to me and said, Do you remember what you got me for Christmas? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do. When it comes to being married, being in a healthy relationship, you can't set it and forget it. The same is true with Christ. But for many of us, that's how we've learned, that's how we've begun to practice our faith. We attend church regularly and we think we're good. We get baptized, and we think we're good. We pick out a Bible reading plan, and we think we're good to go, only to not finish it. Right? We help complete a project at church, and we think we're good. We go on a mission trip. It's life-changing. I've got to be good now. I've gone on mission trips. We help start a new ministry. We, we spend enough time, right? Maybe, maybe this is you. You spend enough time in and around the church and in groups, you're like, I've got that. I've kind of wrapped my head around who Jesus is and what it means to be a good person. I'm good. Maybe for some of us, we even get to a point where it's like, well, I've, I've already led somebody else to the Lord. I've baptized somebody else. I, I've got to be good. Like, I've got to be good. We can keep amping this up, right? There's no limit to that. We, we say yes to a call to ministry or we say yes to being a part of a church planning team or, or to being a church planner. And we say, well, I'm, I'm, we're good. Like, we're, we're just good. We're good. Too many of us are counting on our past accomplishments to carry our relationship with Jesus into the future. That's the definition of spiritual laziness. Laziness rests on previous accomplishments and expects things to stay the same. But when we do this, instead of things staying the same, things get worse, right? It's like your lawn. If you just think, well, if I mow my yard at the beginning of the summer... Or maybe if I pull the weeds out of my flower bed at the beginning of the summer, I should be good for the year. It's just not true. Things aren't going to stay the same. They're going to get worse. And, And here's what's strange. We don't even recognize all the time that it's happening because things become normal. Maybe right now in this season, it's become normal to defend your own preferences instead of listening to others. It's become normal for for the language around your home to become more coarse because, well, nobody else is listening. You're just quarantined at home all the time. It doesn't really matter what I say. Maybe it's become more normal to to complain about the difficulties of life, and as a result, you just kind of stop being grateful. It's just become normal to spend time every day numbing the pains of life with alcohol or drugs or, or some kind of media that you can just escape away into. It just becomes normal to get through a day without ever talking to Jesus or being led by the Spirit to do anything. It just becomes normal. You can't set it and forget it. So I would ask you as we begin this morning to ask what weeds are growing in your spiritual life that you've gotten used to. The Spirit's going to have to help you with this one because it's probably become normal to you. It's probably become normal to you to to just do whatever it is you're doing and and think that you can set it and forget it. When we come to this reality, it's tempting to just think, "I just need to start over." Like, let's just let's just start over. But that's unrealistic, right? It's it's very unrealistic. In the same way that you can't erase what's happened in your life, you can't pretend like you haven't lived through these moments of your life. You can't just pretend like nothing ever happened. You can't erase where you've come from, and you can't erase who you've been, and, or, or maybe you can't erase who you are right now. But there's good news, and that good news has nothing to do with you. God's plan to redeem always moves forward. God's plan to redeem always moves forward. And that's going to change everything about how we read this passage and about how we think about following Jesus from here on out. So let's go backward to move forward. All right, you ready with me? We're going to go back to the beginning. God creates the world and he, he does it magnificently. He does it perfectly. He rests on day seven and then shortly after that, Adam and Eve sin. And that sin breaks down the very fabric that the world was created with it was it was meant to be sustained by a perfect relationship with its creator but you can't set it and forget it and when they sinned sin broke that things would would never be the same sin even affected the land you know, so often we just think about sin and our own personal sin, but, but sin has this, this wide-ranging effect that we don't often consider. And, and God talks about that. He spoke to that in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. In that passage, he, he talks about uh, the sin that Adam committed, and then he says, "...the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field." The reason that we, we pick weeds, the reason that we can't just do landscaping once, the reason that a gardener can't just plant something and then come back at the end of the process and have a nice pro- crop it is because of sin. It's because of this, this broken thing that happened at the beginning. Now imagine if God's response to that sin was to just etch a sketch things. Nah, just start over. Take two, that was bad. Shake it up, pretend like it never happened. Chalk it up to a failure. But he couldn't do that. Because God never fails. So now we have this this tension. If if God never fails, and yet sin is here and it's broken things, like, what are we going to do? It was impossible to, to start creation over. So he instituted a plan to redeem it. To buy it back for his intended purpose to keep moving forward to the ultimate goal of an eternity together so here's the thing this morning i am hopeful and prayerful that just as he has in my life that he's called up in your life some spiritual laziness some some weeds that you've gotten used to that you aren't picking and as he's doing that i want to challenge and encourage, you you can't just start back at the basics every time your life dips into spiritual laziness. You can't just say, ah, I'll just start over. Just pretend like all that didn't happen. It doesn't work that way, right? Like, we've lived in life. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Now, this idea helps us to understand what the author writes about in verses 4 through 6. Look at it with me. It says, for it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away. This is because, to their own harm, they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. And it's like, whoa! Not only are there some big words and big ideas, that's some really scary stuff at face value. It's impossible to renew to repentance those who have fallen away it's like they're recrucifying the Son of God what is he talking about and the question comes up well Blake can I lose my salvation like can my, my yard get weedy enough that God just like forget him the short answer is no but if the answer is no how do we read this what does this mean Bible scholars have have offered many options over time I'm going to offer my preferred interpretation, and I would love to have a, a deeper conversation with you about some of the others. But we know from, from multiple other passages that, that believers cannot lose their salvation. It would be as if God had failed, that God was not true to what he said he was doing. It just can't be. So, if that's true, what, what is this? For here, here, for it to be impossible to, to renew to repentance, carries the idea that, that once you have become a Christian, tasting and seeing that God is good, being guided by the Holy Spirit, trusting in the good news of the gospel as it describes in this passage, uh, to, to be in that once you're a Christian, to be impossible to renew to repentance is to apply that you, you can't go back and be saved again. Salvation happens once it happens once, but, but you say, okay, Blake, if, if it says that, what does it mean to fall away? What, what is he talking about there? In similar fashion, because of all kinds of passages about our secure salvation in Christ, this can't mean that one can fall away from salvation. So what are people falling away from? They're falling away from their commitment to live Christian lives, to live God's way. Last week, I made the comment that it's hard to do God's will if you don't live God's way. Many times we fall away from the commitment to live life God's way. And in doing this, Scripture says they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding Him up to contempt. What? 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 Remember, our audience, the, the audience of this book when it was originally written, is made up of former Jews who are thinking about returning to their Jewish faith. And so when they came to Christ... They came to Christ as a result of saying, I believe that that what happened to to Christ in Jerusalem as he was wrongly accused and taken to the cross, that was wrong. That was unjust. And so what he's saying, the author is saying is, hey, if you're going to turn away from your Christian faith now and, and go back to Judaism, it's as if you're turning back and going back to the crowds who were chanting, crucify him, crucify him. And in that way, you are, in a sense, re-crucifying Christ. To fall away from their commitment is like re-crucifying Jesus. Last week, I asked you to identify where you were in your journey of discipleship. Are, are you a part of the crowd? You're just kind of listening in to this Jesus stuff. You're trying to seek the truth. You, you think there's something to it, but you're not sure. You're not sure. Or maybe you're actually a part of the congregation. You're committed. You're you committed to Christ and, and you want to learn what it looks like to be a part of his church. But, but you know, you're still just learning your ways and it's, it's all about you still. And, or maybe you're, you're stepping into community and, and you've learned that it's really about serving one another and, and being disciplined and, and beginning to, to be a part of what He's called to be. Or maybe you're in the core, but we ask you to think about those things. And what today's passage does is it helps us to realize that no matter where you are, you have to keep moving forward because God's plan to redeem is always moving forward. Moving forward together with Jesus towards being in a a perfect and holy relationship with him and his kingdom is essential. To not do so is to, to step back into the crowd of Jerusalem chanting, crucify him, crucify him. The author uses the illustration of a field to make this point in verses 7 through 8. It says, For the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it and that produces vegetation useful to those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it's worthless and about to be cursed and at the end will be burned away. And that analogy takes us back to the moment in Genesis, in the garden, when Adam and Eve realized God's plan wasn't to start over. It was to redeem. From that moment in the garden for the next several generations, God would reveal more and more about his own character. He would institute laws and leaders to keep guiding people back into the truth. He would send prophets to speak of this coming Messiah and of a new day and of a new kingdom. And people looked forward to the Messiah with hope as they came into contact with their own sin and brokenness. Each time, realizing as they were broken that, that weeds had become too commonplace and there was some spiritual laziness, they had hope and looking forward to the Messiah and to what was to come, knowing that God's plan to redeem always moves forward. I want to pose a hypothetical to you that just isn't true, but helps us to realize how good Jesus is to us. Because you see, Jesus didn't just say he loved us and then failed to keep his promise. He followed through and demonstrated God's love to us, making a way for us to be redeemed, not recreated, but to be redeemed. But imagine with me, after everything that was said in the Old Testament, after everything that was done that pointed to who Jesus was, imagine that Jesus hadn't come. Imagine if Jesus had decided in that moment in the garden when he was praying with the Father and and dropping, like, sweat blood out of his face. Imagine if in that moment he decided to go rogue and do things his way. Imagine if at some point during the torture, Jesus decided he had had enough. But he didn't. He didn't. His grace came down and completed the rescue of all who had placed their faith and trust in him. And from there, God's plan to redeem kept moving forward and it continues to move forward today. I know we know this, but we need to say it again and again because in our daily walk it's so tempting to to believe that corona is stopping everything. But corona doesn't keep God's plan to redeem from moving forward. It may change the way things look, but his plan is always moving forward. And the question becomes, are you going with him? Verse 3 reminds us that we have to move forward, but that we can only do it with and through the help that God brings. In verse 3, the author simply says, and we will do this, it's our intention, if God permits He is still in control. He is still enabling us. But we also know from his word and from the story of scripture that God's plan to redeem is always moving forward. So we have to keep moving forward with God. But we also humbly ask God, please, please allow me to keep moving forward in my walk together with you. Show me the weeds. Help me to see the way that I have been lazy. Help me to take my next step. So really quickly, before we finish, I just want to, to walk through those, the, the, the pathway, right? And ask the question of each step, how do I move from here to here? How do I move from crowd to congregation? How do I move from congregation to community? How do I move from community to core? And we want to see what the scripture says about that, but we also want to give you some practical things really quickly, all right? First, how do I move from the crowd to the congregation? I want us to to take notice in all these questions of of the things that the author lays out in verses 1 and 2. In that, I think there's some rhythm. There's a a system that we can tap into. He says, Let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God. How do I move from the crowd to the congregation? Faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. Faith in God and repentance, which is a turning from ourself to God. 1 John 1.9 tells us more about what this looks like. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're in the crowd today and you say, I know that I need to follow, like I need to move forward with God. This is your next step. It's to confess your sins to him because he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. He will move forward with us. It's his plan to redeem. So whether you're here or you're online, you can text at New Life CCC to 81010, and we'll walk with you as you take that step. But the question becomes, as we're trying to move from the crowd into the congregation What are you turning to? Because you see, when you repent, you turn away from yourself, but but you're turning to Jesus. Like, what does that look like? How do I begin to walk in that? Here at Christ Community, we practice something called covenant membership. And uh, through a a process where our, our church body, led by Colin Johnson, walked through our covenant and said, we need to really think about what is expected of us as a congregation. So we have 13 core covenants guided by Scripture. And, and I would encourage you, if you need these, you can reach out to me or comment or whatever. But those 13 core covenants are really helpful in helping us to think about how we begin to walk out of the crowd and into the congregation through faith and repentance. Okay, maybe I'm in the crowd and that's my step, but maybe I was in the congregation. i kind of like, I'm here, I'm around, I'm committed, but... but I really want to step more into the community. I want to be more a part. I want to, to belong and begin to join Jesus on mission. How do I move from congregation to community? Well, the author says, you're not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works or faith in God, or teachings about ritual washings or laying on of hands. Well, the teaching about ritual washings, that is baptism. In this time, they had uh, many types of baptisms. And so he, when he's saying that teaching about ritual washings is like, hey, let's teach you about these and let's teach you about being baptized into Christ. And then when he says the laying on of hands, this is something that that was often done in community. It was a form of blessing one another. And so you see here that that moving from congregation to to community is is about being baptized and and being baptized into Christ. But it's also about stepping into the community of believers, taking part in the community of the church. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 26 this may be familiar to some of you but we need to visit it for just a moment. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit, a sense of moving forward. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Here's something that's really interesting, right? You may be able to be in the crowd by yourself and feel isolated. You may be able to step into the congregation and say, I'm committed in isolation. But you cannot step from the congregation into the community of believers by yourself. You cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit without others around you. You might be able to love yourself, but you can't love others. What good is joy if it's not shared with others? How, you can't be at peace if there's no one to be divided against. So, patience, kindness. You see, these things are all expressions of what the Spirit is doing in us, but they're expressed in the community of believers. Fruit is only picked in fellowship. So how does this get expressed at Christ's community? We do community groups, right? And I'll keep the pitch short. But you need to be in community. Sometimes... Not because you need it, but because that's the only way that you're going to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. We have many groups that are continuing to go and, and live and meet in the midst of summer and corona. And so if you need to, to take this step from congregation into community, email kenny at if you're online, or you can find him if you're here live today. And make sure you find one of those groups to be a part of. Step in. Commit to that. Last but not least, how do I move? from being in that community to, to being in the core of believers. The scripture says, right, I'm not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, I'm teaching about ritual washings, laying out of hands the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. You See, these last two are, are future-oriented. It's what you believe about what's going to happen. And what, what you believe about what's going to happen, what's in the future, will begin to dictate the way that you live today. And so what he's getting at is there's a need to to understand doctrine. There's a need to understand the scriptures when it speaks to these things. There's a need to to be able to press into Christ. What is it that we believe to be true, not just now, but across all of time? 2 Peter 1, verses 4-9 through speaks into uh, this maturing in Christ. It says, By these he has given us very great and precious promises, So that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... If you keep moving forward, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. You see, this move from the community to the core is all about trusting the promises of God. And trusting the promises of God will change the way that you live in your daily life. It, It moves you from just doing some topical Bible studies every now and then to letting God's word speak for itself as you learn to read it and navigate it. It moves you from simply thinking about how do I be a better disciple to how can I make disciples. If you're in the community step and you're trying to step into the core, we've not been very good about equipping you or helping you to do that at Christ's community. I talked a little bit about that last week. We're taking those steps the best that we can. And one thing that one next step that I want to give you today, this Tuesday evening, uh, I'm going to, to host a Google meeting uh, to talk about some of the ways that we're thinking about doing something called discipleship groups. It's not a program. It's going to be something that, that we can equip you with to take you, to help you go and do the things that, that you need to do to make disciples. And if you would like an invitation to that, a link to that, send me an email. Okay? This isn't going to just be an open thing because I, I need to know and you need to know that this is the step that you need to take and that the Lord has for you. But I would invite all of you to, to send me an email and we'll get you a link to that Tuesday evening time. We say all the time, what's your next step? Hopefully we've given you some of those as you think about moving forward with God. If you're in community groups this week, man, I would really encourage you and challenge you to to talk about where you are and and how you know you need to move forward. Uh, Maybe maybe you're not in a community group yet, and I would encourage you to to keep showing up, to to keep finding people to to have these conversations with, uh, to find me, to, to be online and comment. Whatever it is, you need to invite other people into that journey and that process with you. Now. We're going to close the very same way that the author closes this little chunk of scripture. It's scary to think about falling away from your commitment to Christ. It's challenging to think that you're spiritually lazy. Um, And so he begins in verse 9. And he says, listen, let me remind you, let me slow down. Even though we're speaking this way, dearly loved friends, in your case, we are confident of things that are better and that pertain to salvation. For God is not unjust. He won't forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end so that you won't become lazy but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Guys, there's so much hope for what he is doing in our midst. There's so much hope. You know, last week we celebrated Katie having worked here for ten years and, and it's really kind of just the beginning of a season of of celebrating what the Lord has done in the life of Christ Community Church over the last decade. It's amazing to think that the Lord has allowed us to to be a part of all that he's done in our community and, and beyond. It would be easy, let's just be honest, it would be easy in a season like this to be discouraged. It would be easy to think judgmentally, to look around the room and ah, I knew they weren't really committed. It would be easy to become self righteous, to think that because you're in the room, because you're not, that man, you got this figured out. But the reality is, is that all of us have more questions than answers. But we know that in this season, God's plan to redeem continues to move forward. There's a temptation even for me as the leader to say, you know what? Let's just kind of start over. Let's just pretend this is like a new church plan all over again. Ten years, chalk it up to whatever and start over. And God doesn't work that way. He is always redeeming, not recreating. And so I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what he has done in the first ten years. But I'm also incredibly hopeful for what he's going to do in the next ten. I'm so hopeful, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is and how his plan has worked out over all of time. I'm so defeated at the way we've made disciples in the first ten years. We've gotten a lot of people in the room, we've served a lot of places. At the same time, I've watched that some people don't know how to walk with Jesus on their own, and it's discouraging. But I'm so hopeful that in the next 10 years, man, we can be a church that makes disciples. That not only like, people are walking with the Lord like, confidently here, but, but they're beginning to walk with people who are far from Christ, and they're beginning to walk with the Lord, and, and that goes beyond what we can ever see or imagine or touch I'm so hopeful that as we make disciples, he's going to continue to call us to deploy and to send out people who will become missionaries, maybe like Mark, or missionaries like uh, those in Honduras, or maybe missionaries right up the street in another neighboring community that needs a new church to reach those far from Christ. There's a huge temptation to think this is the end, and then we've got to start over. But in Christ, we keep moving forward with him. We make disciples and we deploy. We make disciples and we deploy. Trusting. Trusting that God's plan to redeem is always moving forward, just as it always has. So the invitation is simple. Will you move forward with me? Will you take your next step? Figure out where you are on that pathway with Christ. and Step with him a little further. Keep going outside. Let's pray. (sighs) Jesus, we need you. We need you because left to our own devices, we just try to set it and forget it. We fall away from our commitment to you. And we are so grateful and so thankful that you are faithful, you are steadfast, you are there time and time again catching us when we fall. Calling our hearts back to you. This morning, may we just worship you in light of that. But may our worship become action. May we take our next step moving forward Because of the hope we have in you. Because you did exactly what you said you were going to do. You came full of grace and truth. You lived perfectly. You died on a cross to forgive us, to buy us back, but you didn't stay there. You came up out of the grave and said, let's keep going forward. Let's keep moving forward with the gospel. Let's keep inviting people to be a part of God's kingdom. Give us the courage to join you in that this morning, we pray Jesus. In your name, amen.